0: How are you doing people? It's Echoes from the Void episode 35 And um, yeah, how is everybody this week? I'm telling you man, the weather has not improved over here It's still cold as hell But I, I've, I've managed to kind of dam up some of the cracks where the wind has been ravishing my friggin' flat so, at least I am not going to freeze in my sleep anymore. But, um, yeah, you know, it, there's been stuff happening. Um, so, we've got a fun episode ahead next week. You know what I mean? There's a lot of shit happen- coming up, which I'm really excited about. So, um, yeah, future episodes are definitely looking fun. Just trying to, you know what I mean? pin down some more interviews and that kind of stuff but we're growing we're moving it's only January people and it's already been a good year so far you know what I mean so I think it's about that time to get into it right okay let's go okay so I'm um, I think last year, because it was the um, the gold anniversary, we covered two Man Booker Prizes. So it was a bit of a surprise when today I saw that um, Man is pulling out of the sponsorship of the Booker Prize. So the 2018 was the... Um, was their last one, so um, yeah. I think they they've been giving the Booker Prize one point six million, which is damn. That's a lot of money, right? It's a crazy amount, a lot of money. Um, but because of um, I think it's just economic climate and everything like that uh yeah they they've um decided to pull out which is um <clears throat> i don't know like uh, some people are claiming that um it's a good thing which doesn't really make any sense to me you know um like sebastian Falk's has been um, talking, and so has Peter Carey. Um, You know, Peter Carey wasn't happy that Americans were allowed to um, be included in the selection process. And... um, Sebastian Falks believes that hedge funds are the enemy. And so, um, shouldn't be sponsoring a literary um, award. Which is weird. Because you think, look, where is the money going to come from? You know, like, because every... I, th- I think you could find fault with any organization so where is this money coming from because um the man group believe like they've said that they have donated twenty five million in support for prizes and charitable activities during their um I think it's a 20 year sponsorship of the prize. That you mean know, that's like 18 years. So in 18 years they're 25 million. You know, the winner of the prize gets five thousand. Um <clears throat> and all of the, the, the people that are shortlisted get two and a half thousand. That's not chump change. I mean, look, you can't retire on it, but that's that's a nice amount of money, you know? Because that's on top of the money you're making from the sales of your book. So just to be given that money, that's a nice amount of money. So where is this money gonna come from? What what ethical company would um Mr Fox like to see take sponsorship you yeah. know i i think it's just people have these weird delusions i feel and and it's and it's easy to um you know it's easy to take shots because he's won it twice you know he's won the prize twice but, so, it's easy for him to go, oh, yes, I don't, I don't believe I'd, I'd want to win the, you know, take their money, it's like, you're a a world-renowned author, you've sold millions of books, if you haven't wasted that money, you, you should be okay, so, yeah, it's easy for you to say, oh, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't take it, but, for a new author, that's a big thing, it's like the, these things are the lifeblood for, you know, a lot of writers, a lot of people within the arts, so, yeah, it, it's just, I I think, you know, it's, it's kind of silly and deluded to, uh, to talk trash, really, look, it might be, like, some organizations donate to charity, so it's a, you know, it's a financial write-off, it's about, you know, it's a lot of different things, but end of the day, it's still, it's still a donation, it's still gonna help a cause, so, yeah, look, we need to stop the hate, and hopefully, the Booker Prize Foundation can find a new sponsor in time for um the twenty nineteen award. I mean I it's a big prize. It's a world renowned prize. So you know I'm sure something will come up. But uh yeah, we'll see what happens on this front. Um yeah. Oh, uh, you know what? I I'm an asshole. I am. I am. I am. No, sorry. The um, <laughs> yeah. No, it's for next year. The sponsorship ends this year. Twenty nineteen is gonna be the last one. I was a, a minute, I was a bit like, yo, that's that's he's cutting it a bit tight, man. But um, yeah. Sorry, this year is the last one. The new prize will be for 2020. Okay. Alright. And on with the news. Okay, so... This this next story really... I find it very frustrating. And it just sums people up, really. So... A, British, a former British gymnast called Beth Tweedle. Now, she is suing a TV company. So, like, I mean, like with the rest of the world, there are a lot of ridiculous reality TV shows in the UK. One of which is called The Jump. So, if you um, if you've seen the Winter Olympics, and like the skiing events, and there's one where they're at the top of a huge kind of slope, they slide down. It, it kind of curls up, and then they do a jump, and they'll do some flips and all sorts of trips before landing. Um, trying to nail the landing. And then they get given points. So this, this TV company decided to make a show which airs on Channel 4 over here. And um, yeah, they get these, well they call them celebrities, but they get these z celebrities and former athletes to go do this thing. And I think most people, when you watch the Winter Olympics and you see some of these events, you see like the the crazy deluge, um, the bobsleigh. You see a lot of these crazy kind of skiing events, like because you've got the jumps and you've got the ones with all the bumpy bits, and you know the speed skate. They they're pretty dangerous they're not things that any fool is going to do i mean you like people die doing these things people have serious accidents doing these things. i think it was last year that a a, a jumper a skier did a jump and then veered drastically off during the landing and crashed into the fence you know what I mean, and had a serious accident. So it's a known thing that this is not to be taken lightly. So, frankly, anyone who signs up for the jump, they know what they're doing. Yeah, you know, it's it's not like, oh, I wonder what this will be. They know what they're gonna be doing. I mean, Liam Neeson's wife, um, you know she died skiing, that's without jumps, she died skiing, Michael Schumacher, you know, he, he um, sustained brain damage skiing, so that's without a jump, Th- these things are dangerous, you, you can't mess around when you're doing them, so this uh, Beth Tweedle, she she crashed. You know, it's unfortunate. She crashed and sustained neck and spinal cord injuries, but she, again, she hit the barrier on the landing. But instead of going, okay, I'm an idiot. I shouldn't have done this. She's suing the makers. She's suing the makers and saying they hold accountability for my crash. And it's like, look, they're dumb for making the show, but you signed up to do it. You knew what you were doing. And if you're going to do a show like this, surely you get insurance. Yeah, I mean, surely you get insurance before you do it, so you're insured up, you have an accident, the insurance covers you, and then you just have to rehab, you know, it's like, this isn't even the first reality TV show she's done, so she made, she, you know for a fact she would have made change for sure, doing the first one, so doing this one, like, is you know what I mean? She can, she can actually rehab and not worry. She shouldn't have to worry financially while she rehabs. Where other people, you know, you have a stupid accident, you, you're you're kind of like fuck. What about the mortgage? What about bills? What about food? What about ah? You know. Like I nearly I nearly broke my leg last year, it's still fucked, and I can't just sit with my leg up all day. You know what I mean like it is painful to walk. But I can't just sit around. I have to go out and work. I have to go and do things. She can. I mean I'd imagine unless she's terrible with money. You know, if she's terrible with money, you can kind of, you can understand what she's doing. She's an asshole, but you can understand it. But this is the thing: look, you can't blame them. Just say, "Oh, it's all their fault," because you chose to do it. It was your choice. No one's holding a gun to your head, going, "You have to come on this show. You have to do this ridiculous jump." You signed up because you wanted the money, you wanted your name to still be news. You know what I mean? It's, it's a thing. People retire, and they're like, oh, but what about the fame? What about the, I'm going to do these shitty reality TV shows to keep my name in the lights? That's what she did. She did one, it was like Dancing on the Ice, stupid, but hey-ho, so she did that, loved the attention, so she thought she'd do this ridiculous jump, she did it, fucked up, hurt herself, you've got to lick those wounds, man, because it's like, she is recovering, this is the thing, she is recovering, and she's like, it's not just the physical pain, it's a psychological trauma, Shut the fuck up! You're an asshole. You went on a reality TV show; it backfired. Suck it up. Do you know what I mean shit happens. You're not dead. You're gonna recover. That's more like. Some people get paralyzed. Some people die. Some people are destitute. You're not. You're none of those things. So stop being a whiny little motherfucker. Trying to do a money grab. And chill the fuck out. God damn it. Ugh. Celebrities, man. And people that aren't even celebrities. zedless celebrities. Bunch of suckers. So one of the, um, you know, things I do, I like, I try to get to different sort of events. Now, I review them for the podcast, but even before I was doing a podcast, I was always like going out to different things because it's just interesting. You know, I have a big interest in music, like comedy, poetry, jazz, rap like different gigs and just exhibitions and galleries and all this kind of thing so now i've got the podcast i'm trying to when i go to these things i'm trying to get interviews with the people as well you know so it's it's always good when you can like hook something up and sometimes you get invite like people reach out and be like yo why don't you come to this, you know, this will be good, We be fun, bum, and I got an invite from the, uh, the great people at, um, Hive Mind Improv Group, because they were having a, um, the first of a series of events on Friday last week, uh, And their new, their new knight was Lord of the Game of the Ring of Thrones. And so this is happening at the Museum of Comedy. So I was like, oh, awesome. Yeah, I'll go. And so I was going and then we were arranged to kind of have a conversation afterwards. And then we were going to do an interview and it was going to be this great thing. Um... Which is always good. It's always, it, you know, I. it's interesting for me and it's great content, you know. Uh, so, it'd been a long ass week. Yeah, I started a new job. So, it's been a long week. Now, I left to go on Friday. And I think one of the things that you always forget, like, especially in the winter months, is that it gets dark so early. So I left work and I had plenty of time but I'm trying to get to the um to the museum of comedy and Google Maps is re- it got me so far and then it just went a little haywire so I am walking around and around and around in circles and I cannot find the damn Place, and I'm just like, oh, th- can this night get any worse? And like everyone had been coughing at work, and I'm feeling uh, like mad. I'm just starting to feel ill. I'm not feeling great, and I'm walking around, and it's mad cold, and I just can't find the venue. And I tried calling the booking line, but that was shut. So I'm just like, ah, oh, how can I find this place? And I'm walking, and I'm walking. And it's just dark, I can't see anything, you know, I can never see road signs as it is but it's, really, it's getting problematic, and I'm just thinking, I wish it was light, if it was light, there wouldn't be any problems, And then, <laughs> because, you know, it's trying to cross the road, nearly getting run over by cyclists and all this crazy, and that is while waiting for the lights, you know what I mean, I'm not just walking into the busy road, I'm waiting for the green light, but even still, it's an issue, yeah, you know I mean? it's this huge issue. And especially you've got all people outside the pubs. So the pavements are getting blocked and you're trying to navigate around all of this and it's just like and I'm thinking, I wish it was light. And then I remembered, yo, I've been run over three times during the day, so that's really not going to improve. How is that improving the situation? You know what I mean I could, It's hard to find my way around in the daytime. So, like, you know, but you forget all of this shit. You know what I mean? And I'm just like, ah. So, I eventually, I eventually find the place, and that was just out of luck, out of pure luck. I, I finally find the place, problem is, I'm like five minutes late, so I hate being late, uh, and, and especially when you're going to a performance, because it kind of feels a bit disrespectful coming in, you know what I mean, like these people, they perfected this thing, and now you're disrupting it by like creeping into the fucking venue late. But, you know, the guys on the door, they, the, the you know, the people at the venue were great, they're just like, look, here's your ticket, um, there's, like, if you go in, don't make any noise, and there's some seats towards the back, so I'm like, alright, so I went in, seats towards the back, the problem is, people leave their bags in the aisles, so I'm trying not to fall over, and it's all a thing, I didn't make mad noise, though, so I was proud of myself, I didn't fall over very proud of myself for not making a scene you know what I mean but seats at the back so I cannot see anything you know like the whole plan was to get there early I would have got a seat at the front because I had a seat reserved for me at the front I would have been able to see it and then I would be able to give a proper review. And then I was gonna like talk with the people after, and it was gonna be great. Nothing goes to plan. It all, <laughs> you mean, it really, it just all went to shit. So I'm sitting at the back, everyone is laughing their asses off. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, like you can hear stuff, it sounds funny, but then there's, the, you know, the problem is with certain things, there's a lot of nuance that goes about it, and it's physical. So when there's these physical jokes well and it and it's like a facial expression, it's a movement, can't see any of that. So it's all you know, you're just sitting there, everyone else is laughing, and you're sitting there like, I don't know what's going on. What's going on? <laughs> like, someone tell me what's going on. So yeah, I'm sitting at the back, and I'm just, as a, as the night's going, I'm just feeling worse and worse and worse, and it's like crazy popular, it's completely, like there was, this was the one seat left, you know what I mean, it, it's like a sold out, which is awesome for those guys, you know what I mean, but it, you're, I'm just feeling ill, I'm feeling claustrophobic, so as soon as it finishes, I had to dust, you know what I mean, I, I had to find, try and find my way home, Took me forever, finally made my way back to the station. But it unfortunately meant I can't give a proper review. So we've had a talk, and I'm gonna go down to the next show. And um, yeah, I'm gonna be able to review it, and I'm going to um, ha- be able to have a conversation with the troupe. But I figured, hey. I'll talk about what happened and I will promote the next day. So, if you are into, if you enjoy improv, if you're a fan of Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones, then people come down to the Museum of Comedy, which is Bloomsbury Way WC1A2SR. So I'll, I'll put the um, the details in um, the episode. So just go to Anchor website, go to my page, go to this episode and you'll, and you'll find all the information. I'll give a link to the booking and all of that. Uh, but the next show is Friday the 22nd of February. So that's at 7 o'clock. Then the next one is Friday the 29th of March. And then Friday the 26th of April. So I'm going to be going the 22nd of February. Museum of Comedy. And like as I said look everyone was laughing. So I'm madly looking forward to catching like Hive Mind show. And really just enjoying what they put together. You know what I mean? So yeah. Come down to the Museum of Comedy, Friday the 22nd of February, 7 o'clock, and don't be late like I was, you know what I mean? Alright, awesome. (laughs) Hey, so, I've mentioned probably hundreds of times that I go to the South Bank a lot, and, um, yeah, I've got membership for the South Bank Centre, so I'm always going to events and stuff there. Um... So yesterday I was um I was invited to re- to see the St Petersburg Philharmonic Orchestra rehearse. It's um they they run these supporter circles. So it's a um a benefit of being involved with the supporter circle. Now I'm not a member of the supporter circle but you know they're trying to call a brother and get him to sign up, I, and I, you know what I mean. I, I'm there all the time, so I'm like, yeah, I'm, you know what I mean. It's something I might do, but I thought, yeah, let me go and check out this rehearsal, see what it's like. Um, and and it and it was good, man. Like the um, unfortunately, the chief conductor of the orchestra. Yuri Termikanov. He was ill. Um but they were able to get Vasily Sanasky to um to replace him for uh the rehearsals and the concerts and stuff like that. So yeah, went to um went to see all of this and um Julia Fisher um she was doing uh a solo uh, a solo piece and she played uh Mandelson's violin concerto in E minor op sixty four and uh yeah it was a really nice a really nice time, so it was essentially a little mini concert, it was great, um, and it was very interesting as well, because, you know, it, it's rehearsal, it's practice and that kind of thing, so they're going through the pieces, and sometimes you think, that sounded amazing, and then suddenly they'd get caught, they 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 get pulled up. And they'd have to start it again. And and you see them just trying to work out all the nuances of a piece. And the conductor is stopping. It was just a shame because we had to sit right. We weren't able to sit at the front. We had to sit at the back. I guess it's so you're not distracting and all of that, you know. So we're sitting at the back. And the conductor is stopping them every now and again, and explaining stuff to them, and you couldn't, you couldn't hear what he was, and and also, you know, it was in another language, so, (laughs) I I, I doubt I would have understood anything he was saying, but, um, yeah, so he'd be stopping, but sometimes he was, instead of like saying something, he'd be like, bah, 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 and you know, to get it across it's a little bit like the Swedish chef, not so much, um, not being offensive, uh, just funny, you know, what I mean, as you do, but yeah, so he'd be, you know, kind of helping them find the rhythm of the piece. I, and so that was very, it was really interesting to see the whole kind of process of uh, of a rehearsal, you know, and you can imagine, look, it's, it's not going to be the same every time, it's going to be different, but yeah, that was very, because, you know, I've seen other bands rehearse, you know, I've seen indie bands rehearse, I've seen rock bands rehearse, and this was completely different. So I think that was, because I think sometimes when you see other bands rehearse, it's a bit more casual, it's a bit more laid back, but this was very precise, you know, because I think you're, you know, uh, being at a rock concert, a rap concert, anything like that, look, if if there's a little deviation in a piece, that's fine. That's a little interesting. That's, you know, putting your your new touch on something. But I think when you go to a classical music concert, you're, you're not necessarily looking for some freestyling in the moment. And because there's so many instruments in play, everything has to be on point everything has to be synchronized so this was definitely a lot more formal a lot more um stoic but you could tell you know they they were having a good time you could tell it was kind of fun because they you'd, you'd hear some laughter in in the breaks and everything like that but yeah it was it, it was really interesting it was definitely a good sell to try and convince someone to um sign up to this program i have to have a conversation with them to see but you know it's, it's a thing that i might definitely might do but uh yeah it it was it was nice as well because look, like last week it was first week in this new role so it is very um it's very tiring and this week You know, there's just a lot. It's a lot of reading, a lot of kind of new processes, you know, a lot of kind of things to lead on straight out the gate, you know. So it was nice to um, have have the music as a kind of relaxation, as a meditation. Because I could just sit there and just let the sound wash over me and just soak it in. Uh, yeah just hearing these new kind of melodies and tunes and just the different sounds from the instruments all combining, yeah was a great time thoroughly enjoyed it need to um definitely need to do more classical i actually I do have something coming up in March, so that's all good, but yeah, no. Loved it, it was a great time If you get a chance I would definitely recommend Checking out the St. Petersburg Philharmonic Orchestra Okay, alright Cool, on to the next one So For this week I watched um, Fry The Greatest Party That Never Happened um, it's a documentary on Netflix. Because I was really interested to kind of see if I could get more of a backstory on this whole thing. Because I remember when it was going down, and just all these people talking about this exclusive festival, and then it just imploding. But you know, that was a couple of years ago, so I haven't, like, all news kind of died, and I always wondered, all right, so what was the real kind of fallout, how did this, like, happen, because I remember, like, Jar Rule going, oh, my name was used, and, you know, I had nothing to do with it, and blah, 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 so it was just like, all right, so, how was that a thing, how did your name get used, and all these other people going, oh, I didn't know, I was just asked to promote it, and it's like, well, how are you doing all this stuff, and, you know, like, when you um, are saying you weren't involved, how are you involved when you weren't involved, you know, this was the kind of thing that I was always thought, this is weird, this makes no sense to me, so, yeah, I watched this documentary. It's directed by Chris Smith. And um, it's got kind of, like, conversations with Billy McFarland, um, Ja Rule, of course, uh, Shayan Dang, a product designer, um, Michael Ciccarelli, a software engineer, and, and just... Um, a lot of other people that were kind of involved with the festival. Um, and if you, so, if you don't know, uh, the Fry Festival was a luxury music festival created with the um, aspirations of promoting. An app. Yeah, so basically, Ja Rule and Billy McFarland came together to create this app for booking music artists. Because McFarland, who, like when he was running this other company, Magnesis, wanted to book Ja Rule to do some gigs and stuff like that, but found it really difficult to get hold of him. So then they came, when they finally, like, got together and stuff, they were just like, oh, wouldn't it be great if, like, you could book artists and it would be really simple? So they thought of, like, this app, and that was the Fire app. And so to promote the app and the artists that were on the app, they thought, oh, let's hold a festival. Because they were... On Ja Rule's private plane Or should we just say A plane that he hired Because I don't really think Ja Rule's Got that sort of cash And they had to stop Off to refuel And it was on um, It was on an island in the Bahamas Called Nor- Norman's Cay So they stopped off on this island, and they were just like, oh, this would be the perfect place to hold a music festival, and so it was meant to take place, like, the 28th to the 30th of April, and the 5th and the 7th of May, 2017, Uh, yeah, it, it, man, it was, it was crazy, Because it was promoted to be this like exclusive party. Yeah, this amazing like two weekend festival. Like the one thing that was never clear though was all right, so it's two weekends. So do they fly back? On the Monday. And then come back the following Friday. Or do you spend the whole. Time on the ice. That was never clear to me. From out this um, documentary. But. You know. that they, they were meant to have like top caterers. Providing the food. Like luxury accommodation. Like. um, Yeah. It was just meant to be this off-the-hook experience that I think just kind of promoted that luxury lifestyle that you you see a lot of people kind of pushing and talking about on Instagram and Twitter and, 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 and kind of things like that. Um, so, one of the big kind of things about it were they used Instagram influ influ influencers. So they um they had people like Kendall Jenner, Bella Hadid, Emily Rat, jaskowski who he wasn't bad in *Assassination Nation*. Um, Haley Baldwin, Elsa Hushk. Chanel Aman, Lisa Ribeiro, Alexandra Ambrosio, Shania Sheikh, Nadine, Leopold, Rose, Betram. Giselle Oliveira, Hannah Ferguson, and a lot of other people, so they had them involved, they, they flew them out to the island, they flew them out to Norman Kay for a weekend, where they had like big parties, you know, during the day, they are on luxury lot, yachts, swimming in the sea like, at night, you know, around big campfires, they're just living the life, man, you know, they've got these little villas on the beach, and they're just living it, and while they're on the island, filming this advert, this promo video like the models are all tweeting saying they're having an amazing time and all of this and fire festival is gonna be where it's at and yeah oh come it's gonna be incredible like just all of this and then after that they all posted like this orange tile and just with like you know, like, hashtags that were devoted to the festival, saying things like, oh, if you go to any festival this year, make sure it's fire. Oh, you know, why don't you book an amazing, like, beach villa at fire festival, and just have the best time in the world. And so they were all posting stuff like this, next to this orange tile. And so then, all these people saw this, saw the promo video, and were like, oh, we want to be, we want to be down with that, you know, we want to be, you know, at at this exclusive party, we want to be partying with Kendall Kendall Jenner, we want to be, you know what I mean, having drinks with Hayley Baldwin, this is what everyone was thinking about. But these models, so they got pe- they got flown over. They got paid for, um, you know, that weekend on the island. But, you know, it's a promo video shoot. So, yeah, you get paid for a promo video shoot. Or sometimes you don't actually get paid, but you get the holiday. You know, but they got the holiday and paid. Like, Kendall Jenner got paid 250000 Dollars, just to post one um, post on Instagram. You know, so they all got paid, but they weren't telling people that what they were doing was advertising. So it was it was crazy, but so you're getting an insight into all of this stuff. Um. But the weird thing is it's like from the get go, you could see that some there was some odd things going on like um, so they talked about how Jar and Billy met at the beginning of this documentary and um <laughs> see the funny thing is so first of all, you're using Jar rule now Jar rule had one good album one good album, and then he just constantly tried to beef with 50 Cent, and it just turned into a mess, turned into a mess, He, he couldn't put out good music, his stock drastically fell, like, no one really goes to Ja Rule concerts, you know what I mean? But, you had Ja Rule talking about himself as being a music mogul, and, and like, a marketing wizard, like, so, you know, you, you could see the delusion in these people straight out the gate, because, so, when they brought them, everyone over to the island, when they're having all these meetings, they've got the, um, agency so they hired and the agency that shot the promo video I think that was called mate mate something like that and so they got them to film just everything that happened um and so they're filming like meetings they're filming everything on the island it's just um, this' it's this it's this huge thing. And yeah, you're getting an insight into everything that's kind of going, everything that's going down. Like the people that are talking on this video. So we have Mark Weinstein, who was a, a music festival consultant. So he works on like, you know, Coachella and a load of different festivals, you know, that happen around the world and stuff like that. And... Yeah, so he's kind of talking about his experience with it all. You've also got Samuel Crute, who worked at Fry Media, like working on the app and everything. And he's just like, oh yeah, Billy asked me to book artists. And then he's just like, well, you know, I'm like a 22-year-old kid, and I've never booked artists before. Like... I was too young for this sort of job, it was crazy, you know, we spent four million on artists, it was insane, and we're paying them, like, double, triple their going rate, which is always a bit weird, it's like, why would you offer people triple their rate, you just offer them the rate, you know what I mean, like, you might go, oh, there's a bonus in it for you, or, or you know what I mean, but you don't go out the gate, you never offer, hey, what's your, we'll offer you three times, you're going, re-. why would you do that, it doesn't make any sense, you know, Um, and the other thing, like, none of the artists are, have been paid anything, but they're all like, yeah, 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 put us down. If you're going to pay us three times, yeah, we'll do it. Put us down. So it's all weird. You're then hearing from, like, um, oh, Calvin Wells, who's a financier. And he's talking about how... Yeah, you know, he he first heard about Billy through his original company, Magnesis, and like a lot of his friends had signed up for this Magnesis card, and the whole thing was it was just like you pay two hundred and fifty pounds each year, and you get discounted tickets and events and everything like that. But the but the discount on tickets. Was like this huge discount on tickets. And also to events. That you know were selling out. So it's like how did they get these tickets. You know what I mean. It's all a bit shady. And he's just like oh well. You know I started looking into it. And then I noticed it's shady. And I was a bit like. Oh this is wrong. Hmm yeah. And so it made it my mission to kind of expose. Fry Festival for what they were. But it's just like. right, so you posted some stuff on Twitter. Did you tell the police? You know, did you go to, like... Did you... Did you... I don't know what it is in America. Like, you know, like the fraud office. I don't know what the equivalent in America would be. HRMC is, like, over here. But, yeah, I don't know what would be in America. But, like, he didn't ever mention... Oh, yeah, I spoke to these people. Yeah, so that was always a bit like, okay, so what did you actually do, my man? But, yeah, you've got him the whole way through, like, talking, going, oh, well, I noticed this, and <laughs> I noticed that, and <laughs> look at me, I'm Nostradamus. But with nothing else, you know what I mean? It was just like, one of those people, after the fact, want to pat themselves at the back and go, well, I knew exactly what was going to happen. But they never said it at the time, you know. Um also there was Andy King, who was an, an event produ- an event producer who had worked with Billy like from the early Magnesis days. So he'd put on like loads of events for Billy. And it was a bit like Eight weeks out, Billy asked him to, like, begged him, like, please come over to the island. I need your help to put on this event. And then, you know, ten days out, it's like the catering goes to hell. They get, a, they'd allocated one million for the catering. And then the catering company they booked had um, quoted them like 6.8 million to do it. And they're like, "Um, yeah, this isn't going to work. So you have him talking. And, yeah, it's all weird. It's It's all crazy. There's a story he tells, and I won't mention it yet. I'll get back to that. But then you've also got this guy called Grant... Magolin I believe that I you know I'm probably butchering a lot of these names definitely the influencers butchered their names for hell but you know it is what it is people um but yeah you've got him so he's never worked on a music festival before now don't get me wrong I do believe that marketing is um like if you're a good marketer you should be able to work in any sector Because it's like it's about acquiring knowledge, you know, looking for good examples, and then you know, just liaising with the right people. When you don't have the knowledge, when you don't have the information, you find people that do. So if you're good at marketing, you can cross over. When you're not good at marketing, you're like grant there's like, he's like, yeah, so, I'm the marketing director, like, the marketing guru, <laughs> and he's all like, oh, just an idiot, he's prancing around the place, just kind of showing off, going, oh, yeah, I can do this, and I can do that, and look at me, bah, 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 bah. and so, this is the thing, this is the this is the bit there's so many big things that kind of jump out at you with this festival like that they have an idea you know they have this big idea for a festival and announce it they you know they cut the video before they did anything else you know what I mean? like so you haven't done any prep you haven't worked out about how you were gonna stage everything you haven't worked out how you're gonna cater for everything how you're gonna get people out to the island where they're gonna stay on the island haven't thought about any of the amenities and services and products that you will need for the festival to run but you just think this is a great idea if Coachella can do it, we can do it. So, you cut a promo video. So, that was the nuts thing. So, straight out the gate, they didn't have anything, but they're promoting it. You know, they're, you know, they're talking about this uh, the accommodation packages, but they have no accommodation. So, they're giving people the schematics to these, like, beachside villas, And these big, huge tent things that people could rent. But they don't actually have them. So, how can you give these floor plans and everything when you don't actually have any of this? So, this was the great, big, glaring thing that you notice. That there's uh, so many promises without actually having anything to deliver. So, they have, you know, so they're doing this. Then, so, like, you have Billy at the beginning of the video. Going, yeah, so I bought this island in the Bahamas, you know, with freehold. So, it's just basically, there's no lease, only island for good. Only island for good, that's what they're saying. But, so the deal with Norman Kay is that it used to be, supposedly, it used to be owned by Pablo Escobar. But the owner of the island was like, I don't want it to be connected with Escobar. So, you know, I'm trying to promote it in a different way. So, don't mention Pablo in any of your marketing about it. And when they put out the promo video, one of the first things they say In this video is. It used to be owned by Pablo Escobar. So the owner of the. Of the Norman Key Sees this. And then says. Get the hell off the island. So kicks everyone off the island. And you're like. How can you get kicked off an island. That you own. So that's like. The first weird thing. So then. They're bouncing around. To try and find this island. So they're. You know. They're they're bouncing around. Going. Oh. Where. Where can we put people. You know. Where. Like. Oh. Where's the place. Where's the place. And then. They. Finally. Get. Given a license. To hold it. On Great Exuma. Which is the biggest. Of the Bahamian. 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 I don't know. One of the Bahamas islands. Let's just say that. God, I'm sounding dumb. Ah. But so so they get this. But this is 45 days out. 45 days out from the festival that they finally go okay we can hold it on this island. Which is just nuts. Also, they book the island on its busiest weekend. On its busiest weekend, it's got the um the Royal Regatta, which kind of brings um the National Regatta, and it brings like double the amount of people to the island. So obviously there's no accommodation. No accommodation, but that's the weekend. So straight away, look, when I've worked on events, we look for a, you know, a slot a day that has nothing else big happening. And also nothing else big happening kind of close to it because you don't want people going, oh, well, I have to go to this other thing. And because it's in the same month, I won't really have money for your thing. So you try and find a a, a time slot that is away from other big events. You know, where possible. You know what I mean? But they didn't. You know, they're not even thinking about this shit. So they finally get to the island. And then 45 days out again... That's the first time that they contact a, um, a company to talk about the whole staging and production for the festival. Which is just like, what are you doing? Like, normally, you would do everything a year in advance. you know, Because you know stuff's going to go wrong. So you do things a year in advance so you can book stuff. And also, you're giving yourself enough time to deliver on everything. So, you know, their time slots are all just insane. Their time slots are all insane. Oh, this is a funny thing. So, at the very beginning, they, they hire a guy to fly them over to the island. He was called Keith. And he's a pilot that taught himself how to fly a plane using a computer game. Which is all a bit like, it just sounds so sketchy, so sketchy. But then they hired this guy to work out logistics. And he was telling them, oh, you can't have this amount of people on the island. But then, instead of listening to him, they go, ah, you know what, we're going to bring someone else in to take care of this stuff. Which is just, ah... Just the insane kind of thing. So all the time, whenever something comes up like, oh, we don't think this is going to work. They go, "Ah, you know what, we're going to get someone else to take it over. So they're only looking for yes people. Like if you're not saying yes, that's a great idea. Yes, that's going to work. You, they don't want you involved. But this is the thing. So, all the time throughout this video, you have these people talking about how, oh, yeah. And, you know, I had concerns. I had concerns straight away. And, you know, I'd say to Billy, are you sure you want to do this? Like, everyone was saying it. Like, Mark Weinstein, Andy King, like, oh, Samuel Crow, like, all of these people, and a few others, so they're all talking, going, yeah, we tried to warn him, but, blah, 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 but you kind of think, at no time did you quit, at no time did you quit, now, I've worked, as I said, look, I've worked on events, I've worked on big campaigns, and there's definitely been times when people were giving you some shady kind of stuff. When it's been, when we've been working with, like, suppliers who are talking kind of crazy, and you're just like, yeah, they're never going to be able to deliver, you go, hey, thank you for your time, we've decided to go with someone else. You don't book them, you don't sign with them, when it's all sounding crazy, you know? I had plenty of people, I built this image bank and had loads of people talking to me like, oh we want to host it we want to do this with you but then you're kind of you're going okay so what are the fees and they're trying to skirt over oh it'll be fine it'll be fine and you know i mean you you go right yeah they're shady they're shady because you realize they're trying to pull a wall over your right? eyes so you don't work with them but none of these people are are talking like that, they're just like, yeah, we try to point it out, we try to point it out, and you're just thinking, no, you didn't, or if you did, yeah, you sent an email, that's all you did, you didn't do anything else, didn't do anything else, and this Andy King is like, oh, Billy's such a nice guy, but he just got messed up, and oh, it's such a shame, and you know, but I, I had all these fears, and I used to go into meetings and come out, and I'd be crying, never in my career have I been crying after meetings, but then, but you never have him going, you know what, I thought, no, this can't work, so I can like, I told Billy, I'm out, I'm blah, 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 no, he's like, he tells a story how they ordered all this water for the festival, and it got impounded by customs, And Billy asked him to go and give the customs officer a blowjob so they can get the water. And he's like, yeah. So I went home, I showered, I cleaned my teeth, and then I went to go do it. So... At one point, he's saying how, oh, yeah, he was really worried about all the problems, blah, 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 blah. but then he's like, oh, yeah, I said I was going to, I to myself, I thought I'm going to go blow this guy. He didn't have to, but he's like, yeah, I, that's what I was going to do. So, you tell me, were you really that worried? Were you really that concerned? Because the one thing that really seemed to jump out, that... With this festival So all the people that were working on it Were caught up With Billy talking about All this money And how he's going to bring all these stars over And they were all desperately Grubbing To try and be a part of it So that's why none of them really complained That hard You know They didn't complain that hard They didn't quit because they really wanted to be working with these artists. They really were kind of dazzled by the, the sound of all this money and all this stuff. Which is insane. So you had that. Then you have all these people going to the festival. And they're, they're seeing this video of all these models. Because it's the Instagram mentality. It's the social media mentality. That you you want things for free. You want things for. When I say for free. Now they were paying. But the cost they're paying. Isn't equatable. For what they were going to be getting. So they're just like. This is an amazing deal. We're going. And they've got that money to throw. So they're jumping at it. You know because. Just because these models are saying. Oh it's going to be a great festival. They book tickets. So you have all these people that are dumb, you have the models and the influencers who are promoting stuff they know nothing about, and I believe that makes them culpable as well, because I am not promoting things I don't know anything about. You know, I'm I have I will have a meeting with people, I will find out, okay, so what is it you want us to do? What is it that you're providing? What's a service? What's a product? You know what I mean? Finding out all the details before I'm gonna put my name to anything. But they won't do that. You know, what I mean? and that's the thing. So they're partly to blame as well. Because they know what their followers are going to do. But they're thinking, oh, we want a villa on the beach. We want this money. And this is easy money, right? So, yeah, we'll talk about it. What the hell? So, you have all of this craziness. And then after the event. So you have, like, Jarrell going, oh, it wasn't my fault. And all these other people, it wasn't my fault. And this whole documentary is a lot of people going, oh, yeah, Billy's a manipulator. Oh, yeah, it was all Billy's fault. It was all Billy's fault. But none of them are really taking, you know, their share of the blame. Because they are all culpable. But none of them are taking their share of the blame. It's it's crazy So it's kind of an interesting documentary Because as I said Because they got these guys to film so much You're able to see behind the curtain And see everything that's taking place But You're seeing all the things people are doing But as I said look No one is going Yeah We're kind of to blame too. You know, Billy's gone... Like, I believe he got six years in jail. For, like, fraud and all this other stuff. Can never work as a CEO or a director again. Which is nothing. There's loads of people that get that. But, you know, there's plenty of ways to run a company without having certain job titles, you know. But then, you know, it's like the um, Grant guy... Grant Margolin, he can't be a CEO or director for I think it's seven years, it's like why doesn't he get a lifetime ban as well, basically everyone involved should get lifetime bans of working in certain positions, more, than, more people than Billy should go to jail, Because they were all complicit. And we hear them talking. Like after the event. You hear Ja Rule on a conference call going. This isn't. Someone goes. But wasn't it fraud? He's like. No, 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 no. It's not fraud. No. It's definitely not fraud. You you could say. Maybe. It's false advertising. I'm like Ja Rule you moron. That's fraud. (laughs) You know what I mean? it's just like what are you talking about so they're not going in this meeting afterwards I'm like we oh my god we owe people the hugest the hugest apology we need to do this and no one's saying that and that's the big issue you know you have this um one of the product of, uh, designers going, "Oh yeah, so we're not. None of us are getting paid properly. You know, this is like months out, and they're go- we're not getting paid, and blah blah blah." I'm like, "Why quit then? Quit, because when you see, a biz- I've definitely seen some fraudulent shit happen." In my lifetime. I did club promotions for a while. There was so much dodgy shit going on. And in the end. I, I quit. Because it was so dodgy. You know. But none of them quit. And if you're saying. You saw this stuff. All that way back. But did nothing. Then. You're to blame as well. Obviously. Billy is and Billy and Jar Rule are far more to blame than some of the other people, like Mark um Weinstein. But though but they still have a share of blame. Uh, one of the crazy things towards the end, like Weinstein is smiling and laughing. And it's just like, oh my god. It's insane. So Yeah, I would definitely say, people, that if you have an hour and a half to spare, and you are interested, it is worth the watch. It is, what you see is crazy. It is insane. But it does let you see behind the curtain at a lot of things that are taking place, and I think you'll probably find yourself like I was doing. I'm just like this makes no sense. Like how can you get to this point? That's what I kept on asking myself. How can you get here? This makes no sense. So um, yeah. <laughs> like oh my gosh. Oh yeah. All these influencers as well. All these social media influencers. Shame on you, people. Shame on you. Because they definitely need to, um, you know, take their share of all of this tobacco. Like, only one of them, I think it's only Bella Hadid, put out an apology afterwards. Only her... But the apology was bullshit. You know what I mean? It was bullshit. But I guess. At least she's the only one that. Made the attempt. You know probably her media agency. Were like you need to do this. To cover yourself. You know what I mean? But yeah none of the others did. Because they don't give a fuck. They don't want to go to jail. But they don't give a fuck. And that was definitely one thing that came across, there's a lot of people involved, now they're talking to try and cover themselves, but really, it didn't seem like they gave a fuck, so yeah, that people, um, is uh, Fry, the greatest party that never happened, and um, yeah, it's insane, so you can catch it on Netflix, okay? Alright. My first book this week was *Finair* by Richard K. Morgan. Uh, it was narrated by Colin Mace. Um, and this is, yeah, the gist of it all. An atmospheric tale of corruption and abduction set on Mars... From the author of award-winning science fiction novel, Altered Carbon. From the moment Richard K. Morgan's dazzling debut, Altered Carbon burst onto the scene. It was clear that a distinctive new voice had arrived to shake up science fiction. His subsequent novels, including the sequels Broken Angels and Woken Furies, confirmed him as a master of hard-boiled futuristic thrillers. Now Morgan returns to the world of sci-fi noir with a riveting tale of crime, corruption and deadly crisis on a planet teetering close to the edge. On a Mars where ruthless corporate interests violently collide with a homegrown independence movement as Earth-based overlords battle for profits and power. Hacken Vale is an ex-professional enforcer equipped with military-grade body tech that's made him a human killing machine. But he's had enough of the turbulent red planet and all he wants is a ticket back home. Which is just what he's offered by Earth Oversight Organization in exchange for being the bodyguard for an EO investigator. It's beyond. It's a beyond easy gig for a heavy hitter like Vale, until it isn't. When Vale's charge, Madison Madaiki starts looking into the mysterious disappearance of a lottery winner. She stirs up a hornet's nest of intrigue and murder, and the deeper Vale is drawn into the dangerous game being played, the more long-buried secrets claw their way to the Martian service, now it's the expert assassin on the wrong end of a lethal weapon as Vale stands targeted pow- by powerful enemies hell bent on taking him down by any means necessary In- this book did remind me a lot um, of Alter Carbon, like I th- I think it had That same kind of Gritty Um Kind of hard Boiled feel to it It was a bit like A um Raymond Chandler book But With a lot more futuristic stuff Um Probably a lot more graphic Sex And um A lot more twists and turns. But you do get that kind of sense and feel to it. And especially with the whole mind-melding kind of um, tech that's involved. That, you know, they're very similar. And the kind of police aspect. You know, a bodyguard that used to be one thing, but now is something else. You know... there's a lot of similarities between um, uh, the main characters in the in those two books. Like this is is definitely interesting. I would say, like, I think the well, I, I'd say like the initial like thrust into the story. It does take a while. To really kind of warm up. And there's so many. There's a lot of acronyms. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of acronyms floating around. And at one point I'm like. Colin? Wait. Who's Colin? What does Colin do? I think I've missed that character. You, know, so you, you have to really be kind of focused in on just. This is so much at the beginning. I think then. It starts to find its feet and you're like, okay, cool. I'm, I'm yeah, I'm definitely into this now. And it's interesting. And you're like, okay, yeah, where where is this going? My my I think the thing that I would say separates it though from altered carbon. There are so many twists in this so many twists, that at some point, I don't know, I was feeling, this is a bit much, you know, I was like, oh, you know, this, and also, like, I think I can watch, you know, watch and read something, and, you know, allow for... ...a few kind of completely out of the blue moments. But when there are a lot, you're just a bit like, mm, no, that doesn't... Like, I was, I remember watching, um, oh gosh, the Jennifer Lawrence, um, Red Sparrow. Yes, I remember watching that. And then at the very end, when they're like, aha, we pulled the wool over your eyes... They showed all the kind of literal switcheroos. But they never actually happened within the film itself. These are all kind of, oh, what was happening when you weren't looking kind of moments. So it's a bit like, that's a bit of a cheat. And by throwing in so many deuce machiners, you're just a bit like, yeah, but that's a bit of a cheat. Because no one else, like you couldn't have... Kind of seen this yourself, you couldn't have. Oh, right, I'm gonna pick up this thread and I'm gonna pick up this thread, or I'm gonna maybe jump to this conclusion, or I'm maybe gonna think that this is a possibility. Even you know, there wasn't anything like this that you could do for a lot of the kind of big whoa moment of the book. And so I, that always feels like a bit of a cheat. It always feels like, yeah, but, you know, did you just write yourself into a corner and then just think, okay, I'm going to do this to get away with it? You know, that's what it often feels like when you come across situations like that. So, um, yeah, I. It's so, yeah, there was just too many of those moments, I feel. In this book. That left me a little bit frustrated. Like you know. And I kind of think. When it gets to the very very end. um, And Vale is kind of lamenting on things. It's a bit like. Yeah but you shouldn't. You can't be. Because there's a point when you say. Um, we're both running that pro- this program, we both know what's happening, we're both using it to throw each other off balance, right, so if you realise this, you understand this, then the kind of lamenting at the very end doesn't make that much sense, because it's a bit like, how is it you're now going, oh, this was real? When at the, you know that point you was you was saying it wasn't. So it's a bit like, and even like the internal monologue w- went from, yeah, this isn't, you know what I mean, but I, but I'm just feeling this way because of blah 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 blah. So yeah, there's kind of a false sort of narrative that just feels like. It, w- it was superimposed at a point just to get to this end situation. Which then kind of spoils other moments of the book for me. Like, I'd still say it's a decent read, you know. I I still enjoyed it on a certain level. It's just not as great a book as I was hoping for and you know after some initial kind of probing and and like just delving into the world I was like oh f- this could be this you know what I mean this book could be here and then by the end I'm just like eh, okay it was okay you know so yeah that was a bit frustrating but um i would say if you if you are a fan of altered carbon then you would like this and i pr- and i would say this as well if you preferred the netflix show of an altered carbon to the book you will definitely like this book yeah i i think this is more akin to the adaptation than the original material, so yeah. If you know, if and if you like still remains, you'd, you'd probably dig this, yeah. So if you like those and other Morgan books, go grab Thin Air. Okay, so my second book this week is The Furthest Station by Ben Hironovich. Uh, this is part of the books of Lon- rivers of london series um it's a novella so it's um it comes after book 5 which is uh fox glove summer yeah so it's a yeah of course it's a, it's a novella it's a short book that comes after that so it's 5.5 in the series And again it's read by Kobner Holbrook-Smith and this is what it's about. There have been ghosts on the London Underground, sad harmless spectres whose presence does little more than give a frision to travelling and boost tourism. But now there's a rash of sightings on the Metropolitan line and these ghosts are frightening, aggressive and seem to be looking for something. Enter PC Peter Grant, junior member of the Metropolitan Police's Special Assignment Unit aka The Folly, aka the only police officers whose official duties include ghost hunting. Together with Jagat Kumar, his counterpart at the British Transport Police, he must brave the terrifying, the crush of the London's rush hour to find the source of the ghosts. And believe me, the rush hour is horrifying. Joined by Peter's wannabe wizard cousin, A preschool river god. And Toby the ghost hunting dog. Their investigation takes a darker tone. As they realise that a real person's life might just be on the line. And time is running out to save them. With this new novella. Best selling author Ben Aronovich Has crafted yet another wickedly funny. And surprisingly affecting chapter. In his beloved River of London series. Okay. So as I said look it's a novella. So it's a shorter story. And like novellas can be very up and down. Because you know. Sometimes they feel a bit rushed. Sometimes you think. What has actually been revealed here? I don't know what the point of this is, like it hasn't really added anything to the greater story and other times they can be really good so yeah i I, I was a bit like oh I don't know, but you know I've enjoyed the greater series, so let me check this out and I am happy to say that it was definitely worthwhile like it it definitely feels well paced you know it doesn't nothing feels rushed and it does definitely add to the um tapestry of this whole universe and you know what we've read before in the previous books So, I definitely would say pick this up. Because one of the things that you do get here is kind of more on um, Peter's cousin, Abigail. And what she's kind of doing when you're not kind of seeing her in the main books. So, it's a good little story on that kind of front. Like, you know, we, we see how she's been progressing with the work Peter's been setting her and uh, yeah it's a good window into that like with a lot of the other books it kind of starts with you kind of thinking okay so there's ghosts like how is this fitting in where is this leading And it goes from these ghost sightings to then something even more nefarious. Something a little darker and sinister. Sinisterer. I'm not sure that's a word. But we're going to go with it. And so you're seeing these kind of things. And then you're also seeing how Peter and Nightingale. How they're kind of using Abigail because you know she's she's a little kid so it's like how can she fit within this universe so this is the kind of an interesting look into that and it's fun it's a fun story so you're using a lot of a lot of the characters from the main series but they're you know they're obviously they're not like, huge players in the book, but they use very well, so you get to see, I think, Beverly's in it, yeah, Nightingale's in it, Um, you know, like, J- Jadat makes the appearance, which is good, Molly's in it, Toby the dog, but, and it's well-weighted, but I, I can't say too much Because you know, I don't want to spoil anything But yeah This book features more ghosts Than the previous ones And Also as I said So you get this kind of Insight into Abigail And also how Peter's doing With his studies And like, where Peter's going in his career, it also gives, like, it's filling in those blanks as well, so it, it's a fun book, it's an interesting story, and on addition, it's a, it's an, a really good look into the greater universe, and how things kind of are progressing in between Foxgrove Summer and then the hanging tree, which is book six. So uh, yeah, look. If you're a fan of the main series, definitely pick this book up. Like it's on Audible. I got it there. Um, I look, I know that you can get a Kindle version of the book. Um, and I've seen it in the bookshops. You know, the the physical bookshop. So there's no excuse, people. Go pick it up. You will thoroughly enjoy it. It's another great story. Okay? Cool. Okay, so I have to I have to confess with you people. Um when I first heard about the Fire Festival, I you know, I didn't hear anyone talk about it. I just saw stuff online I just heard saw the clamour and little bits and pieces so I just mm. read it and I thought it said fry festival just because um a lot of times over here you you see that written and it's fry you know like fry talk and fry so I thought it was the Fry Festival so when I'm starting to watch the documentary, and they're saying, "Oh, fire," I'm like, "Oh, what are they talking about?" I thought, the, "Oh, am I am I watching the right thing?" I, I I thought I was gonna watch a um a documentary about the the fry the fry festival. So what what's this fire? Oh, maybe it's something before, and they'll uh, and they'll get to the fry part later. Um yeah, then I I realized, no, I just, um, it it, it would seem that not only can I not pronounce things, but I can't read either, so I I, I think I need to add a new resolution for 2019, and that is to um, learn English, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I'm gonna... Have to look into that, (laughs) but yeah, let's let's get let's get on with it because uh, you know I mean we've been droning on for a while, right? We've reached um we've reached that time again, people. We're near the end of another episode, um. So yeah, it's like let's hit it with the um the TV news and then we will bounce for another week. Okay. So, um I think fans of Philippa Gregory um should be happy because stars have just um started premiering the um the third chapter of their uh, kind of royal Tudor, you know, series that they've got running, Um, it started with the White Queen, then they had the White Princess, and coming in the spring will be the Spanish Princess, so um, I think this is jumping to the time that probably a lot more people know, Um, and the focus is on Catherine of Aragon, who comes to England to marry... Prince Arthur Tudor Prince Arthur Um But uh, as uh, As people in history Shows Yeah that didn't go to plan did it She ended up marrying um Someone else His younger brother Younger brother that's gotta Yeah that's gotta hurt a little Yeah so she married little Henry And um Woo Yeah, history went went from there. Um, So, Charlotte Hope is playing Catherine. Angus Imri is playing Prince Arthur. And Ruari O'Connor is playing Henry. Uh, So, yeah. So, that will be coming in the spring. Um, And, uh, so... There's been, um, not too much information on the service itself. There's been some word on shows and deals and stuff like that, but, um, yeah, so Apple has indicated that they want to launch their streaming service in April, um. Which probably, uh, you know, it, it, it probably fits the um, the what you would suspect because um, I think Disney Plus is going to be launching around the same time. So uh, yeah, it, I mean that's no big shock. That Apple don't want to get left behind because, you know, when we've seen when they launch something with at the same time of their competitors, hey, everything is golden for them. When they leave it a long time, like with their Home Hub or whatever they call the the Apple Pod, yeah, that was like a year and a half that before that came out and not really much traction on it. So yeah you can see why they would Want to get it out around the same Time as Disney does theirs But um, Yeah I think The the thing everyone wants to know is how much Is this going to set us Back Because you know I mean you've already Look if you've got Netflix if you've got Amazon And then so now there's going to Be Disney there's going to be Apple and Universal Are talking Like I think Warner's are talking like there's a deep the DC universe. You know what I mean? Like everyone's got a streaming service. So where people dumped cable subscriptions because you know it seemed cheaper to grab a you know a Netflix or an Amazon. Now with everyone dro- dropping their own kind of services, is it really going to be cheaper? I don't know. Who knows? who knows, hey, just stop watching TV, that could be the trick, but, um, hey, that is us for another week, this has been Echoes from the Void, people, take care of yourselves, and, uh, yeah, until next Wednesday, I'm out, peace.